So, I got coronavirus. God damn! <laughs> well, <laughs> we're taking different vibes here. <laughs> I mean, I just figured I'd come out the gate straight, you know, like no questions about it. Well, how, how did CrimeCon go? Well, I mean, first and foremost in my life, I caught coronavirus. <laughs> you don't think people would would have been like, I wonder why Aaron's on a mountaintop. <laughs> like oh, why Stacy got coronavirus? <laughs> why aren't they recording together? Oh, yeah. that's right. Because Stacy got fucking coronavirus in CrimeCon 2022. Yeah. Las Vegas, brother. Baby. So if I hugged you or high-fived you or gave you a friendship bracelet or, like, was in your life at all, fucking watch yourself. Because I'm like a goddamn yeah. chinchilla just running around spreading fucking germs everywhere, making fucking dust parties. I didn't get it somehow. Yeah, that's either because you already had it or I caught it after CrimeCon, which I find damn near impossible because I found out on Wednesday... Yeah, I feel like you wouldn't have tested positive if you caught it after CrimeCon. Yeah, but agreed. When you say I already had it, you mean like I got those sweet, sweet antibodies from the before time, not like I already had it going into <laughs> CrimeCon and I'm patient zero. Yes, I precisely. Hope. Yes, thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I feel like you're going to have to do that a lot this episode because my brain is COVID mush. <laughs> yeah, listen, it doesn't yeah. go away. You just keep that uh, it's okay. It's okay. I don't need it anyway. Fucking brains are for losers, you know? Yeah. That's what yeah, I always say. This is your brain on COVID. Oh, it's on COVID for sure. And every day I'm like, you know, it's really not that bad. I just have a little bit of a cough and I'm just kind of tired. And then I'm like, I'm just going to go take a shower real quick. And I almost fucking die. And I'm like, wow, you just can't do anything on COVID. You yeah. just can't do anything. You're like, oh, I used to be able to stand up. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, now I can't can't do that oh you just want to eat something damn a burger sounds bomb and then three bites in i'm like i don't want this fucking burger i don't mm-hmm. want it you're like all. out of breath eating it out of breath eating it and then all of a sudden even though it tastes delicious i just feel queasy and i'm like mm, i feel hot i need water i don't know my body's just trying to quit on me yeah you probably do need water a lot of it I hey nice it. tumbler <laughs> hey amanda panda gave it to me <laughs> yeah she did She's so nice. Hey, we got to meet we her. Saw. I know. Oh, my God. That was so fun. Guys, CrimeCon was so fucking fun. Like, and insane. We survived. I mean, hopefully we survived. you still did. But we ha- well, I know. My, my survival is still out for debate. Pending. But, yeah, <laughs> pending. We met people who actually knew us. That was surprising. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. We had the coolest fucking booth by far. A hundred percent. We might be a little biased. No. No. Ours was definitely better than everyone else's. We came, like, with a thousand percent energy, and we sold our soul to the devils, just giving away every ounce of any kind of love, affection, energy we could muster up. I did not realize how exhausting that was going to (laughs) be. Like, dude, so tired. I've never been so socially drained. (laughs) Like, ever. Me either. And I was so excited. It was so hard. I was so excited whenever anybody would come up. And then the moment they would leave, I'd look at Aaron and be like, I'm I'm so tired. Like, what just happened? There's no space in my brain to, like, retain anything. It would be gone in an instant. And then, like, we'll start reminiscing about stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, 
like, oh, I do remember that guy. Yeah. I've seen podcasts now where I'm like, that looks familiar. And then I go and click on it and I'm like, oh, that was that guy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. How cool. You guys, we met so many awesome people, awesome listeners, awesome podcasters. We made so many best friends. And if you guys showed up and if you were there, we appreciate you more than you will ever fucking know. I have never felt so much love in my life. Like, absolutely. Honestly, I was blown away. You people, we always say we're the goddamn fam and everything, but you really are. And everybody is so kind. It meant the world to me to meet everybody that we did. I was just like fucking blown away. Which is why you wanted to hug everyone. Which is why I did hug everybody, and now you guys might have COVID, and I'm really sorry. And that was so dumb of me. It, like, you kept saying the whole trip, like, we're going to have post-nut clarity, and as soon as we got to the airport, I was like, mask up, sanitize everything, what have I done, what have I done? I got that post-nut clarity. Uh, everybody close the browsers, let's get uh, out of the airport. Oh my god. <laughs> and of course, I fucking got it. I'm the only yeah. one in the whole group that got it, though. Yeah, I shared a drink with you in the airport, like on the way home. That's like, oh, what I don't got get. Everything, put it in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think it was that know. pizza tip. Yeah, it, it had to be that pizza tip. Had to I be. Told you not to eat it. <laughs> Aaron got me a slice of pizza, and she brought it back, and the tip was hanging off the plate, and she said, "Don't eat that tip." Some weird shit touched it, and I said, "This tip," and then I popped it in my mouth because I'm dumb and I was drunk and I'm the gross one. You yelled right before it, "I'm the gross one." <laughs> Just had to prove a point. Well, would you like to hear my goddamn? Obviously, it's not crime con. Ooh, I kind of know what it is. I know the basis, but I don't you know, know everything. the base. Yeah, so. My kids were out on my balcony and they were playing out there and they're loud. So they're talking and whatever. And their little friend lives like down the hill. So if he hears them playing on the balcony, then he'll come up the hill and like come to play with the kids. Right. Yeah. I knew this kid was coming. So I had put on like basketball shorts instead of pants because I was like, I don't I don't want pants anymore. Yeah. I did keep my bra on because I was like, I don't know this kid like that. Like yeah. <laughs> this and I have to be a parent. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I was mostly dressed like a normal person. Barefoot. You had a shirt on, I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Also that <laughs> just fucking <laughs> naked <laughs> and basketball shorts. <laughs> no basketball shorts, no shoes and like a big top with a bra. That's important. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Because I know the base of the story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I knew the kid was coming up the hill. So I told my kid to let the dogs outside because, like, they can't be inside. If we're outside, they'll eat everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And in order to do that, you go down, like, this main fucking flight of stairs. And then the dog room is to the right. And the garage is to the center to walk out there into the, like, fucking driveway where he's going to play with his friends and stuff, right? Uh Yeah. Well. I had left the garage door open because the husband was going to be home soon. So I was like, whatever, garage door can stay open. Kids were down at the bottom of the flight of stairs. Dogs were down at the bottom of the flight of stairs. I was like mid-flight of stairs because my kid's going to let the dogs out. Yeah. And then the fucking neighbor kid (gasps) just opens the door to my house. No. No. Yeah. Not like... What the fuck? Yeah. No. He didn't do fucking shit. He was just like, oh, kids are in here. (laughs) <laughs> My dogs have never met this kid. Oh, they no. don't know him. Oh, oh yeah. Shit. 
Oh, no. Oh. Oh, yeah. So they oh, go no. fucking ape shit. And my kids are down at the bottom of the stairs. The kid, mm. the other kid is down there. I'm at the fucking like middle of the stairs because I don't expect a stranger to come into the goddamn house. Yeah. And so I'm like fucking bolting over my children to get to the dogs before they, I don't know, maul Eat this em. kid. Yeah. And it, they're fucking losing their minds. They're going bananas like aggro barks. And yeah. then they realize that the garage door is open. Oh, God. So they were like, bye, mom. Bucking Later. Out of here. Oh, and shit. And they both took off. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, first of all, you need to defend this castle first and foremost. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I'm being murdered, possibly, and you guys just take off? Like, oh, open door policy. So I was like, God damn it. I cussed a lot. Like, this, yeah. this kid's like seven, so I'm sure he's heard it all. But at the same yeah. time, like, bro, I'm not going to censor Fuck myself that. right now. I'm fucking pissed. Yeah, don't just open the goddamn door to my house, bro. <laughs> you can't just do that. Yeah. So I fucking throw my kids, like, back up the stairs a little bit, like, get out of here. And then uh-huh. I take off out the garage after the dogs. And I was like, hey, kid, you got to go. Like, yeah. plans have fucking changed. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. It was an accident. And I was like, it doesn't fucking matter. It happened. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm running, chasing my dogs up the fucking hill. They're like four houses away by now. Oh, shit. Yeah. I get to them. Hank and I is grab a fucking Carl. galloper, too. Like, you could oh get Carl. He's slower. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. So I get to them and I grab Carl because, I mean, number one, he's like the more aggressive one out yeah. of the two of them. Like, Hank's yeah. not going to get in a fight. Yeah. But Carl will fuck somebody up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I grab Carl and I have him by the scruff. I don't have shoes on. I don't have like anything. I don't have a leash. My fucking dogs don't wear collars because I'm an irresponsible pet owner. Hey, mine don't either. <laughs> yeah. You don't expect them to just sprint out the door. Uh-huh. So I grab Carl by the scruff and I like drag him back down the hill and the my kid and the neighbor kid are both like behind me on the street and I was like go the fuck get the fuck inside like what is going on right now (laughs) exactly and so it's like your world just exploded like everything that was inside your house immediately went outside and they scattered everything (laughs) everything was gone everything was wrong and so I yell at my kid like get the fuck back inside go Go back inside. I didn't tell you to come out here. Why are you in the street right now? He's yeah. bawling because he's uh, like, we've lost our dogs, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Because this I'm is all your not fault. Not good emergencies. <laughs> <laughs> and then to the other kid, I was like, hey, man, you got to go home. Like, yeah. We're done not here. Not now. He said, my dad said I could play here. I don't give a fuck what your dad said. That was fucking before you let my <laughs> dogs out of my house. <laughs> also, does this dad know you? No, we've never met. And they just, he's just cool with it. Like, okay, yeah, go over there. Yeah. Usually the kid comes up the hill and then we do like a, hey, I see you down there. Like he'll oh. wait on his balcony until he gets like the okay or nod oh, from like, okay. you know, me or Brandon or whatever. But I didn't give him that. I fucking yelled a lot of obscenities as I ran up my driveway. So maybe he <laughs> saw that. I don't know. <laughs> and then... Uh, the kid was like, well, my dad said I could play here. And I was like, you can't fucking anymore, right? Yeah. So I made him go home. And then I made my kid go back inside. And now I have to go back, like, and find yeah, Hank, Hank, right? So I tell my son, like, you're the man of the house now. Watch your sister. <laughs> I have to go. 
<laughs> and I get I get a leash and I get my keys because my dog's fucking fast as hell and he's gone gone and he saw me grab Carl and was like bye I'm out of here and then ran even farther so I knew he oh, was gonna be God. like gone gone yeah like you have to drive to get him yeah he's a fucking runner yeah. he's a track star <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I'm driving star. around and I'm like Hank Hank <laughs> which is like wait why do you have the most awkward dawn, dog names right <laughs> just yelling for has my, anybody like, said Hank <laughs> And I see him, like, at the top of the trailhead to go uh-huh. up to the, like, fucking into the canyons, onto oh, the top no. of the hill. Just, like, a legitimate hike. Yeah. And I don't have Where shoes Where you cannot take your vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't take my vehicle. Yeah. So I park my Jeep right there, like, at the fucking trailhead, which you're not supposed to do either. And I bust out of my car and I'm like, Hank, get back here. And he fucking takes off because now he's like, oh, I know where we're going. The top of the hill. <laughs> When I fucking tell you, I would kill this dog. He <laughs> he took off, and then he wasn't even on the trail anymore. He's, like, between fucking trails. It's rattlesnake oh, no. season. I'm oh, barefoot. No. Not There's happening. fucking tumbleweeds. He's gone. It's a, it's a nightmare. And he's gone. I can't see him. He's yeah. fucking gone. And I'm like, Hank, Hank. And then there's uh, it backs up to houses and stuff. And so there's Where dogs Where the fuck is Brandon this whole time, by the way? He was gone. He wasn't home yet. He actually oh. went to work that day. Oh, son of a bitch. So this is all fucking solo. Yeah. Oh, I finally get Hank. He fucking bounds out from like a bush or something. And he's like, oh, mom. And I have to be like, ha come here, come here. So that he actually comes to me instead yeah. of like, you know, I'm going to beat the shit out of you right now. Like, yeah. Why did you do this? Yeah. And then I get him back. I got him on a leash, whatever. And then this lady is like watching me from her fucking balcony. And I'm like, just getting my steps in. Or whatever yeah. you fucking say as a crazy <laughs> person. <laughs> just get my steps in. Yeah, no big deal. I do this every no day. No big deal. In my fucking basketball shorts and no shoes on. Oh, my God. They're used to it. Yeah. So then I finally get Hank into the fucking car. I get him down into the house or whatever. I get inside. Both my kids bawling. Because they're like, Aww. we've lost the dogs. Even though Carl was already inside. And then they're like, mom's gone. Like, what happened? <laughs> exactly. And I told my old my son, like, fucking watch your sister while I'm gone. Bye. Never told yeah. him that before. <laughs> so then <laughs> my daughter was like, mom's gone. Mom's probably dead. She's never coming back. This is my father now. <laughs> He's an asshole to me. <laughs> yeah. And then I get back inside with Hank. And my kid's like, did you get Hank? And I'm like, Aww. exhibit A, motherfucker. Like, I can't yeah. do this right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look at my fucking hands that are holding a dog. Yeah, I get everybody back inside and everybody situated. Brandon comes home like two seconds later. Like, I'm still chugging water. Hank is like laid out on the kitchen floor because he's fucking tired now. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, got a great run in, Mom. That was great back there. Good job. Good work. (laughs) Literally. And then Brandon comes home, whatever. And then there's motion at the front door. Oh, is it that kid? kid? He came back. He came back, and this time he's going to use the fucking front door like oh, wow. a normal human. Is he going to ring the doorbell? <laughs> I told him no. I was like, kids can't come out today. Shit <laughs> has changed. My mood has changed. <laughs> Situations have changed. I just went for a fucking hike. I'm not I'm doing, not this, doing this. <laughs> was he all sad? So I made him go home. Uh, Yeah, he was. My son was really sad, too, and he's like, why did he have to leave? And I'm like, because he fucking let our dogs out. Yeah. Which... In hindsight, I'm like, maybe don't blame the seven-year-old. Like, 
I mean, shit, man, he shouldn't be opening doors if he doesn't know what's in there. Like, if he's never been invited inside or, like, aware. That's the other thing. He's not allowed in our house. Like, his parents tell him not to come in our house, so Mm -hmm. don't open our door. He's allergic to cats. We have two. So don't come in my my house because you'll fucking die. Number three, you know I have these giant-ass dogs. They bark aggressively at him every time he walks up the hill. He sees them. They didn't bark at him today or that day when he walked up the hill because they were inside the house of the door you're going to fucking open. Yeah, very, very you're bad idea. Die. Very bad idea. Well, I mean, like, very he taught him a really idea. good life lesson. <laughs> I mean, hopefully. Hopefully he takes it into consideration and he's like, you know what? I'm going to time, Next time yeah. I will not enter through the garage into a home that I've never been inside of before. Or just wait. Like, you know we're coming out. Just wait. Wait yeah. on the driveway. You guys saw each other from the fucking balcony, and you're like, hey, kid, come over. Which way does he come up? Does he come up the streetway, or does he climb up the fucking canyon? He climbs up the canyon. Holy shit. So he walks shit. by the aggressive dogs every time he comes up, and they weren't outside. Fucking exhibit A. Is his dad not worried he's going to get bitten by fucking rattlesnakes? I would be worried. I would be, too. It's not. My kid started to walk over to that corner for like a second, I think, to pee or something. And I was like, be careful of rattlesnakes. Like, yeah, that is yeah. a rattlesnake I tell heaven. my kid all the time to be super careful of rattlesnakes and all that. And then every time this kid leaves, Brandon just like closes the garage door like, <laughs> bye. I'm like, did you watch to make sure he got home? And he's like, he's not my responsibility anymore. I said, <laughs> like, Fuck. All right. I wish I were a dad, man. Sounds so much easier. Seriously. So much easier. Although in that moment, I was a mom and I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's like that TikTok when you're like, you know, and then I had to pull out the big guns and I was like, hey, and everybody jumped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody jumped. Everybody was a little startled. Yeah. yeah. I felt bad after because he's like, it was an accident. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. Yeah. Still I wouldn't either. Don't feel bad. He shouldn't open the fucking door. Little right. shit. Yeah. A little shit. Has he been back over since? <laughs> but that was just yesterday, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you did text him. He and might you were be like, out there right now. Brandon's outside with the kids. <laughs> hey, some say to this very day, he sits outside waiting, waiting for my son to come play. He's probably only going to come over when Brandon's out now. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, your mom is mean. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, sorry. But also, I mean, the kid's really sweet and everything. But like, he wants to talk a lot. And I don't want to talk to him. Like, talk to my kid. That's why you're here. Don't fucking talk to me. That's my kid. Like, every other adult is like, yeah, yeah. Every adult is like, man, he's so smart. And I'm like, what you really want to say is he doesn't stop. And I know. What you really want to say is I wish he'd be smart over there. (laughs) Go be smart with my kid. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. All right. Well, you want to tell me about some murder? Yeah, I was just going to ask. Do you want to hear about my case this week? Because it's a motherfucking doozy, and it's a special treat for you all because we actually ended up interviewing the person I'm covering. We interviewed his dad at CrimeCon. Yes. I have not listened back to the audio yet, so it might be really hard to hear. So I listened to bits and pieces of it. You can hear... Us, you can hear him. There is a lot of background noise that I can't get rid of. Mm-hmm. Bear but with we'll it. make it work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you're going to get, essentially, I'm about to tell you the whole fucking story. And then we just sat down with him and we asked him to tell us, like, from his perspective, everything that's going on in his son's case. 
we just thought it would be a really cool way to kind of, I don't know, change up some of the content. But his name is Daniel Robinson. And so I'm going to tell you about his case. You guys might have heard about him a little bit. But obviously we need to spread awareness about his case and everything. So we thought that this would be a really unique and cool opportunity to do that. And his dad reached out to us and other podcasts at CrimeCon to help do just that. So I'm going to tell you his case and then we'll play the audio of the interview after. Again, like we just said, we apologize if the audio is not pristine condition. And then our patrons here, you guys will get to see the actual interview because we also have video footage of it too. So special little treat and also interviewing his dad literally like changed my whole view on everything and all I want to do is solve this because it's going to be a missing persons case that I'm going to tell you about and all I want to do is solve it and I felt like my heart just fucking crushed because I absolutely love and adore my father and since losing him and seeing this father lose his son essentially has no idea where he's at and just the things he was saying was reminding me of like what my dad would say or do had the tables been turned and I literally got choked up while we were interviewing. Yeah. He was so sweet. Oh my god. His name is David Robinson. The sweetest man ever. So kind. So anyway guys I'm going to tell you this story. I'm going to tell you this case and then I want you all to care as much as we care and I want you all to help us fix it. We have to help fix it. We can do it. Our family can do this because now now the Robinsons are our family. Oh yeah he's ours now. Yeah he's ours. You're (laughs) Who are all part of the family now. Okay, so anyway. Like I said, you guys might have already heard about Daniel Robinson's case. He really came out in the media a lot more when the Gabby Petito case came around. Because he's a black male. And obviously those cases don't get coverage as much in the media and everything like that. So if you recognize this, please stay tuned. Because I had heard it before. But after digging, I was like fucking blown away by things that I didn't know about this case. And also the family needs your help. So... Help. Listen, help. Help. Okay, guys, I just realized that I left my fan on in the room because it's 500 degrees in here and I have COVID, so I'm probably dying. So if my whole goddamn section in the intro of this was super fuzzy whenever I talked, I'm really sorry. I had a fan pointed directly at me and blowing. So I just turned it off, and now I'm going to tell you about Daniel Robinson. All right. I swear to God, I know how to podcast. I swear. Listen, you have a fever. Low grade, hopefully. But still a fever nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Your brain is melting. Oatmeal. Or boiling. Something. Oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Something's going on in there. Okay. In June of 2021, so just last year, Daniel Robinson was a 24-year-old man working as a geologist for Matrix New World Engineering in Bullseye, Arizona. Okay. It's very close to us. Daniel was born missing a forearm and only had one hand. However, despite this, he didn't let that limit him and he lived life to his fullest. Side note, I had no idea he was missing a hand. In all of this, I feel like that's a great thing to know for a missing person. I didn't know that either, but you did <laughs> tell me that he was missing a forearm, and I was like, was his arm just connected to his elbow? <laughs> I thought that was a very specific body part to be missing, but the articles, like, because I've read fucking a thousand articles on this, and some of them said the forearm, including the hand. Mm, makes sense. It makes a lot more sense. But I feel like you would just say missing a hand. Either way. It's not relevant other than for a missing persons case. I feel like that's a very relevant information to share with everybody. (laughs) Yeah, like that's definitely not him because he has two hands. (laughs) Yeah, like move on to the next. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so like I said, even though he was born missing a hand, it didn't limit him at all. He never used a prosthetic or anything, and he always threw himself into everything he loved, which included like music and football and weightlifting. And his dad actually mentioned that he liked to go hiking and basically adventuring. Like he sounded like a very fun spirit exciting go get him kind of person. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a fucking geologist. <laughs> you gotta be. Gotta be. In Arizona, of all fucking places. It's so hot there. No, that sounds like the worst place. But also, like, you have to go out into the desert, right, to be a geologist? Uh, isn't geology just, like, rocks and shit? You can get that shit anywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, like, you're not gonna do it in a fucking city. Like, oh, this is someone's front yard. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could do it in, like, a forest. Yeah, I guess you could. Now, Daniel had a huge love for life and had a ton of dreams and aspirations. So, like, he wasn't, like, a super sad, depressed person or anything like that. Everybody said he was always fun, happy-go-lucky. You know, sure had some, like, everybody goes through rough times or rough patches or whatever, but overall he was, like, a happy person. Yeah. Daniel was originally from Columbia, South Carolina, but he had recently moved to Arizona for work. When he landed that job at Matrix New World, he was excited to get his, you know, to get to use his degree and everything and build a career. Yeah. And he had worked at the company for about a year at this point, I believe. It was like between six months to a year or something like that. So he was relatively new, but, you know, long enough that you feel comfortable with the job, know what you're doing, that kind of thing. Okay. Then on June 23rd, 2022, Daniel's father, David, received a concerned phone call from his daughter saying that Daniel's co-worker had just reached out to her asking if she had seen her brother at all. Now, evidently, on the morning of June 23rd, Daniel showed up to work at 9 a.m. in Bullseye, Arizona, at a job site that was out in the middle of the desert, which is located west of the White Tank Mountains, in case you live out in that area. But basically, it's this big old span of, like, random-ass desert, which is basically Arizona. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. As soon as you get out of, like, town. (laughs) Yeah, then you're out in the desert. Yeah, exactly. When Daniel had arrived at his job site, he met with a fellow co-worker by the name of Ken, who was a pump technician for a company who partners with Matrix New World Engineering. So, or maybe he was part of that company. Either way, they were co-workers, but they had never actually met each other before. So they were new acquaintances, but technically co-workers. Okay. So Daniel arrives at the site, and he's driving his sky blue 2017 Jeep Renegade. Sick. I would say it looked more like a gray blue, but article said sky blue. <laughs> just you know, not that it matters, but just for your imagination. Yeah. Like as yeah. you're picturing this picture more of a gray blue. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel gets out of his Jeep. And according to Ken, he was acting sort of strange and saying things that weren't really making sense. Like, do you want to go rest? And do you want to go rest in Phoenix? Which I don't know what that means. He said that also... When Daniel came out, like, his shoes were untied. He couldn't really remember what he was wearing, but that he just seemed kind of off and was acting kind of strange and not really, like, making coherent sense. Okay. He said that when they had arrived at the site, it was raining outside. So I think that if the weather gets bad enough, you can't work, right? Like, especially if there's lightning or something like that. I would imagine. Yeah, so they were just kind of hanging out, waiting for the storm to pass, and it had been about 15 minutes, and during that time... Ken says that Daniel would often look off into the distance. He seemed kind of distracted. He would go look out in the desert, like kind of wander around. That's his job. (laughs) I guess that's true. Also, like there's nothing else to look at, so whatever. But then also Ken said that Daniel's eyes wouldn't dilate. 
So I don't know if that means that they were big or they were small, but they weren't dilating, which I thought that was interesting that he even fucking noticed. And so he thought it was maybe related to drugs or something or even like a mental capacity issue or something because he had never met Daniel before. Okay. And so he had told him like, oh, I'm going to check on my phone real quick or my instrument, whatever instrument it was to see like what the weather is going to be. And when he had looked back up, Daniel was getting into his Jeep and driving away and he was like waving at him. And Ken thought that that was really weird that he just abruptly left. Like, it's not the end of the shift. What the fuck is going on? That's really weird. But okay, I guess he's going to go do something. And so he drove away. So then Ken calls his supervisor just to let him know, like, hey, the guy that I was supposed to meet at the site here today, he showed up for like 15 minutes and he wasn't really making a lot of sense. And then he drove away. So he's not here anymore. Yeah. The like boss man was like, okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know. And then I think that's where people started to notice that he had gone missing. Then the boss tries to call Daniel and doesn't get a hold of him, can't get a hold of him. And then I think that's eventually how the sister finds out and then notifies the dad. Because from when Daniel left the job site till when the dad was notified that he was missing was only six hours. Like this happened at nine o'clock in the morning also. Yeah. So, you know, it's still technically his work shift. His work shift is not over, but he's not actively at work and nobody can find him. So it's really crazy how quickly everybody acts on this. They're like, boom, jumped right into it. So now Ken talks to his supervisor, right? Throughout the day, he's getting reports back from his supervisor saying that Daniel is not didn't show back up at the office. He's still missing, whatever. And so Ken decides to hop into his truck and start to go look for him around the desert to make sure he's okay. And Ken is the co-worker, the well worker. Yeah, Ken is the pump technician, yeah. So Ken hops into his truck and he drives down this dirt road because this job site is, like I said, in the middle of the desert. It takes a dirt road to get there. So he drives down this dirt road and I guess you can turn one way and head back into town or you can turn another way and head deeper into the desert. Well, Ken says that he had noticed that there were fresh tire tracks turning into the desert, deeper into the desert. And so he then follows those tracks thinking they're Daniel's to go look for him. And also destroying any tire track evidence in the process. Just saying, that's kind of suspicious, knowing what we know now. It's kind of weird. And I think the police had asked him or questioned, like, how did you know they were fresh tire tracks? And Ken says because it had rained, it had washed away all of the other tire tracks, and he could see Daniel's tire tracks very clearly. But I also am like, oh... Okay, you're like a fucking, you know, I think even David said this in the interview, like, oh, he's a tracker now or something, you know, like, yeah, like, you're wow, you got a, fucking a lot tire of skills. track expert. Yeah, you got a lot of skills here, dude. Yeah, what is this? My cousin Vinny? And you're like, these came from a fucking 2019 <laughs> renegade. Yeah, <laughs> 2017 Jeep renegade Sorry. must have been sky blue. <laughs> I feel like it was more of a gray blue, though, (laughs) based on the tire tracks. But they didn't make that color that year. (laughs) Exactly. But I mean, you know, listen, if he that's what his fucking story is. is So Ken goes driving off into the desert looking for Daniel, so much so that he even gets up to like higher ground and stuff and gets out of his truck to look around to see if he can find him anywhere. And he doesn't see Daniel anywhere. Okay. So he's going like full Rambo mode, I guess, according to him. Yeah, he's a whole ass fucking tracker. (laughs) Yeah. So he eventually gives up and I think he goes back to his job site to work or something. Because like I said, Daniel was reported missing six hours into his shift. So I'm pretty sure Ken was still out there working while they were 
fucking notifying the police of everything. Okay. Obviously, as soon as David gets word from his daughter that Daniel is missing, he files a missing persons report with the police, right? He calls the police like, hey, you need to go check this out. Something's going on. So the police go and they interviewed the the coworker and everything like that. And that's how they get all this information. So they do a 70-mile search of the desert looking for any clues that can show that Daniel had come this way or anything like that, that he had been here or something. And they come up with nothing. 70 miles is a lot of ground to cover. Like, they got helicopters in. They had, like, whatever, not RTVs, but, like, off-road vehicles. They had fucking drones and shit. Like, evidently, they pulled out all the stops somewhat. I guess there was, in the police report, it said that they had requested a helicopter search, and it had been denied, and they had to re-request it. Oh, geez. Why did it get denied? I don't know. But then I think they eventually ended up getting air support search through Civil Air Force stuff like they they went to a local airport and people who can fly planes were like fuck yeah when we fly over that area we'll keep an eye out for him and see if we can see anything and they were like handing out maps and shit to try to get people to help look for him and i believe david actually helped man this like it wasn't the police oh wow isn't that crazy yeah okay so the police search for him for 70 miles they come up with nothing they do a search for his onstar system in the jeep which isn't OnStar. I forget what it was called, like Interstellar Link or something like that. But whatever. It doesn't really matter. They try that device in your vehicle that'll tell you the GPS coordinates of your car and will help you if you get in a crash or whatever. It's essentially the black box. Yeah, but it's like a service that you would subscribe to so that they can oh. help call the police for you if you needed to. Like you say, OnStar, call 911 yeah. or whatever. So they, the police do a search on that, and they find out that his Jeep was equipped with it. He hadn't registered an account, but they were able to open one under his name. And the company who runs this whatever software in the car said that as long as the car has battery, you'll be able to get the coordinates of the car. But when the report came back to the police officer, the coordinates were null. So that meant that the vehicle at that time didn't have any power or that somebody else had tampered with the system. Hmm. All right. Then on July 19th, so this is nearly a month after Daniel had gone missing, a rancher who had lived in the desert that was two and a half miles from the job site that Daniel was last seen at spotted Daniel's blue Jeep rolled over down a 20 foot ravine and it had severe damage. So he obviously called the police. Yeah. What's interesting is that it's now a month later and the police and his dad had searched this area and they had never seen the car. And all of a sudden his Jeep shows up out of fucking nowhere. That seems Mm. kind of suspicious. And like maybe somebody dumped the vehicle. Yeah, But the police are saying that they didn't catch it because of the rugged terrain and that it's, you know, unforgiving terrain. It's the desert. There's ups and downs. There's hills. There's bushes and everything. So the police think that it was there when they searched and they just missed it? Yeah. Yeah. Police are openly admitting like, oh, shit, it's we missed it, but it's not our fault. It's because of the rugged terrain. My bad. My boo. I'm not really good at searching and shit. I'm not really good at my primary job function that you had hired me to do. Oopsie. Yeah. But two and a half miles. Yeah, that's like right next to where the fuck he went missing. You don't think that was scrutinized? And also, if you had air patrol looking for him, you would see that. And also, 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 I've seen pictures of the Jeep. You're going to see them, too, on the website. But it's not like it's covered in bushes and shrubs and you can't see it. It is very clear in the middle of the fucking desert. A Jeep rolled over. And 
Also, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Nah, I'm right on point. Daniel's clothes were laying next to the Jeep, and part of his clothing was a bright fucking orange shirt. I'm assuming it was a shirt. In the middle of the fucking desert. Like, if you're looking for something, that is, like, the first thing you're going to see. It's going to catch your eye instantly. Yeah, number one. What's this giant orange thing here? So I'm calling motherfucking bullshit. That seems dumb and stupid and like a lame-ass excuse on the police department's part. But they are saying that they don't suspect foul play or anything. They think that what happened was that Daniel was in the Jeep. He drove off into the desert, accidentally drove off the ravine. While the Jeep was rolling over, he hit his head, sustained a head injury. And then when the Jeep landed at the bottom of the ravine, which, by the way, it was like a slow. It wasn't like a straight fucking drop off. Like in the picture, it looks kind of like a slope. But when he landed at the bottom of the ravine, he kicked out the sunroof. And crawled out of the sunroof, and because he had a head injury, he ripped off all of his clothing, and then he just walked off into the desert. That is their theory that happened to Daniel. He ripped off all of his clothing in a fit, and then folded them nicely and put them in a pile. They weren't folded nicely. They were were chucked, but they were chucked in a pile. Mm. And now he's just walking in the desert naked. Also, I didn't see his shoes there. Along with the Jeep, they also found his wallet, his cell phone, the keys to the vehicle, and... A water bottle. So, like, if he had been planning to run away or anything, he forgot his clothes. He forgot Everything. his water. <laughs> yeah. He forgot his vehicle to help him run away. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that he may have packed for a life is, yeah, he didn't gone. take. It's just left it there. Also, there has been no activity on his bank accounts. He really didn't have that much money to be- begin with, I guess. Pro- I mean, he's 24 fucking years old. Yeah. 30 something. We still don't have a lot of money. But, you know, so he, it didn't show that he was, like, setting up to run away. None of his actions showed that he was setting up to run away or anything like that. Yeah. So obviously, we feel like this is a shit theory, and so did his family. So they end up hiring a private investigator. The PI doesn't believe that Daniel was in the Jeep when it flipped, because they noted that when the airbags deployed, it was both the driver's side and the passenger side airbags. And the only way that the passenger side airbag will deploy is if there's 50 pounds or more in the passenger side. So that tells us that there's probably two passenger or two people in this vehicle at the time that the airbags deployed. Oh, shit. They also were able to secure the black box to the Jeep. Mind you, this is the P.I. and David doing this, like Daniel's father or family. Yeah. This isn't the police department. In fact, when they found his Jeep, they didn't even treat it like a crime scene. They just flipped the Jeep over and towed it away and then gave everything over to David. Like, nothing was kept for evidence. Nothing was swabbed. Nothing was checked. Like, it was just like, oh, found his vehicle. Like, oh, step one. We're closer. Step one. Didn't find him, but we found all of his things and they're not treating it like a criminal case or anything like that. They're just strictly saying this is a missing persons case. But it had been like a month at this point? A month. They're saying it's a missing persons case. Actually, still to this day. To this day, it's still just a missing persons case. Anything that we are finding from this point forward that I'm going to tell you has basically only been uncovered because of Daniel's dad and family. 
Yeah, like he has created his own fucking search parties. He is bound and fucking determined to find his son because he's like, this is not like Daniel. This is not normal. He did not just walk off into the desert. This is not what yeah. something bad happened to him. And the police department is fucking him over by not helping. And the narrative is, is that they don't care because he's a black man, which is so Ugh. fucked up. Yeah. And this family is so loving and they're such good people that it's frustrating to hear that the bullseye police department isn't really doing much like it sounds like reading the report it looks like they're doing things they're doing as much as they need to do for a missing person's case yeah but like come on bro use your fucking brain this is weird yeah this isn't normal so at that point i'm starting to feel like is there a cover-up or something going on at the police department like i don't know i don't fucking know yeah also back to the crime scene or back to the crash scene or whatever so they get their own pi They get the black box of the Jeep and they recover the data from it and they discover that after the airbags had deployed, indicating a crash, right, in the Jeep, that the Jeep was driven an additional 11 miles. How? Right? It also showed that the ignition was turned over or used or cycled through or whatever 26 times after the airbags deployed. Sorry, my mistake. 46 times after the airbags deployed. Holy shit. Showing maybe somebody tried to start the engine and it wouldn't start or something. Yeah. Also, I should note, because the police department didn't treat his Jeep like a crime scene, this could have been some of these ignition cycles could have been caused or created from them starting up the Jeep to move it or anything like that. Like, it was not a secure crime scene. So we don't really know. But 46 is an awful lot. Was it a manual or an automatic? Do you know? I don't know. I'm sure his dad would know. Why? Because I'm kind of thinking if it is a manual, maybe someone doesn't know how to drive it. And so then they keep stalling it, have to restart it a bunch of times. Where if Daniel was driving it, I mean, it's his daily driver or whatever. You know, you wouldn't have to start it that many times. Maybe. That is a really good observation. Maybe. Yeah. Because I would stall that shit. (laughs) Uh, I would too. I'd be like, and 47th try. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if you can, like, if that's available in the reports. I probably could just look. Yeah. Okay, but let's keep that in our mind. Maybe we'll Google that before this episode's over so we can give the people the answers. Or maybe you can Google it while I'm reading. Okay. (laughs) On it. Okay, so they find that the ignition had been turned over 46 times after the airbags deployed. They also discovered on the black box report that there were multiple crashes. So there was the initial crash that deployed the airbags and then an additional crash at the end, assuming when the Jeep was flung down the ravine. Okay. Additionally, they discovered on Daniel's Jeep that there was some red paint scraped on there. Like something red had been involved in a crash somewhere and it hadn't been there previously and there was nothing red in the desert that would indicate what he had hit. So like another car paint Maybe. Maybe. Mm. And you should know, and you'll hear in the interview, that Ken, the co-worker, drives a white truck. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what color is that truck? I was on it. I'm going to solve this fucking problem. <laughs> So it's a white truck. Also, random note, they all, they found one of Daniel's socks near the job site, which is kind of weird. So two and a half miles away, they found one of his socks. Okay. Two and a half miles away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Just mm-hmm. one sock. Just one sock. Are you finding anything? Does it tell you? No, not really. I found pictures of it, but it's just as like, oh, the Jeep was found. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe his dad knows. Yeah. I'll just shoot him another email. I'll shoot him an email with that note you said. 
which I'm sure the PI has already considered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who do we know that doesn't know how to drive a stick? Let's let's lessen the pool here. So like I said, the police just gave this all over to his dad. His dad had to do all of this searching. But what the police did look into was Daniel's cell phone data. Mm-hmm. Now, Daniel's cell phone data, because they found it at the crash site, they go and check it out. And it turns out that there was no call history. There were no pictures or anything. It was just basically totally wiped, okay. which is odd, right? Either somebody yeah. knew how to wipe it or... It wasn't, like, broken. Like, they were able to try to recover it, but there was just no, no information there. Also, in the police report, I saw that the officer tried to ping his cell phone before they had found the Jeep. They tried to ping his cell phone and, like, pull the records, the call records and everything, and there was n- no information past, literally, it was, like, the past 24 hours or something that he was looking at it. So it wasn't, it was from the moment he went missing up until that moment that the police officer was looking at it. And so it was all these missed phone calls and messages. But it doesn't tell you the content of them or anything like that. It only tells you that it was a text message or a phone call. So it'd be like if you look at your phone bill from Verizon or something, right? Okay, yeah. And you could see who called you, that kind of thing, looking at the phone log. So that's what they looked at, but they only could get information from the moment he had gone missing. And so this is all his friends and families trying to, like, reach out to him and be like, where the fuck are you? But then... The police officer reached out to his carrier and they were able to give him two days data, like back two days data or something. And so they do find some messages. I don't know if I wrote this all down, but basically they do find messages from like him texting Ken, the co-worker that he meets up with in the desert, texting him that morning at like eight o'clock in the morning to be like, can't wait to meet you. I don't know. I think the police had the the text message because they got it from Ken. But also I should note that the whole police report, there's a ton of shit that's redacted. So basically Mm. all of the messages, a majority of the messages are redacted or kind of confusing or not clear or whatever. So I think or they just don't mention that message from Ken because I'm not remembering it. So it was but I feel like I would have remembered that because I want to know what what they were texting. I'm guessing, like, the site they're meeting at or something. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Or maybe that's part of the job. You guys, like, text, like, a safety thing, GPS you know, like, check in with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he had text messages to, like, his boss and another lady, who I'm going to tell you about, a lady friend Ooh. in a little bit. Okay. Also, another weird thing about, like, his phone being basically wiped was that his family reported that around the time that he had gone missing, it seemed that recent photos from his Instagram that he had posted had been deleted. So I thought that was kind of weird. I don't know what the photos were of or how many, but that, like, his recent posts had been deleted. Mm. So that's kind of weird. Like, who's deleting his Instagram picture? What was what were in those pictures? Like, why did they yeah. have to be deleted? I have some questions. If it was him. I wonder if Instagram like, has that information. I'm sure, but I feel like the police aren't really digging into shit. I wonder if we can go on the Way Way Back machine and look at his Instagram profile. What is the Way Way Back machine? You don't know about this? It's a website, and you can enter in a website, and it'll show you all the different captures of certain dates. Like, it captures sites at certain really? times. Yeah, so you can go back in time to see, like, what was that site page on that day. But it only does it... I don't know what cadence it uses to know when to take a snapshot because it's not consistent at all. Oh. So it doesn't work for everything. I don't know if it would work for an Instagram. But... That'd be interesting. I'd be interested, yeah. Because I feel like maybe that's a clue! 
What's going a on clue. in those pictures? A clue. Okay, so I'm over here thinking that clearly something has happened to Daniel, meaning that someone has done something to Daniel, and that, like, I don't think he just fucking ran away to go join a monastery or something silly like that, which is what Daniel's father, David, said the police told him. Like, their theory is that he just, like, ran off to go be a monk or some shit. Like, without telling his entire family or yeah. his sister, who he's obviously close to, his dad, like, who he's obviously fuck? close to. Yeah, David describes Daniel as, like, a family man and everything, so, like, what? Well, That's and becoming dumb. a monastery isn't, like, a split-second decision. That's no. more like, I'm going to give up my entire life. Yeah, to go be silent somewhere. Yeah. And go take care of me. Yeah. I'm going to do me. So I think that's bullshit. And so does his family. But the police obviously are just like, that's what happened. But I think, so going off of the theory that somebody did something to him, I'm guessing mm-hmm. somebody knew how to wipe his phone because they immediately like got, there's no data on it from the moment he went missing. So something happened to make it so that the police can't track where he was. Right. Yeah. Like so it got like, turned turn off, off or something. Or something. Yeah. And you know how they always say, listen, I'm not here to like pin anybody to a cross, but I'm about to. You know how they always say there's a little bit of truth in every lie? Mm-hmm. Well, the coworker had mentioned, right now I'm like all questioning the coworker because that's the only person we know for a fact was with Daniel when he went missing. So that's right now I'm like, seem alive. Yeah. I have some questions. Yeah. And yeah. so the coworker had mentioned that right before Daniel took off, he had like pulled out his phone or something to check the weather. So then I'm thinking, is that the little bit of truth in the lie? Like took Daniel's phone or something and turned it off because he knew he was going to do something bad to him. Or I, and again, they don't know each other. So in yeah, or that we know of, they don't know. According to Ken, they do not know each other. Did Ken get drug tested or anything? Like, no, no, maybe he's not a complete psychopath. Maybe he just had like, oh, his pupils weren't dilating. Maybe that's a little bit of truth in it. But it's about him, his own pupils. Oh, like, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's so crazy to me. Like the whole thing. And and maybe Ken is totally innocent, has nothing to do with this. And he really was just a good Samaritan and really can notice pupils and contract tires and all this other stuff. But like, I'm just saying... If I'm going by, like, you know, rules of operation, the easiest, you know, grabbing the low-hanging fruit, I have some questions. (laughs) That's kind of weird. Yeah, And all of the circumstances point to something fucking shady. Yeah. Now, like I said, police aren't treating this like a missing persons. They're like, if he's a grown-ass man, if he wants to go missing, he can go missing, which fucking hate that saying. Now, his family is calling horse shit. And when they first realized that it had been six hours since anyone had heard from Daniel, his sister went to his apartment to see if he was there. And it really blows my mind how quickly everybody acted because I feel like if I had gone missing for six hours from work, like let's Nobody say, would notice. Yeah, I don't even think my boss like they would, would call notice, me. but they wouldn't yeah. yeah, they wouldn't like alert fucking your parents or the authorities or anybody. No, like. not while I was still actively at work. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'd be like, I'll wait to see if they come home. Maybe her phone died or something. Exactly. But I think also they knew he wasn't at the job site anymore because Ken had told the supervisor that he wasn't at the job site anymore. Yeah, like he drove off. Which maybe the work would be held liable. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, if he's not here, we have to find him to make because he's on the clock or whatever. So... Yeah, have to track him down to be like, you are no longer here. I was just going to say that maybe that's a safety protocol, like mm-hmm. because you're out in the middle of nowhere and doing dangerous stuff, potentially that like you have to check in or something like that. Yeah. Which is awesome to have because everybody acted so quickly. 
Yeah. Which then, for if sure. that's the case, too, it seems kind of odd that if Ken did something, if he had known that that's the protocol, you'd think he wouldn't do it when somebody's going to be checking on him every five seconds or whatever the rules are, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's also kind of like I'm very suspicious of Ken, obviously, because he's the last person to see Daniel alive. But at the same time, like, did he have enough time to do anything shady? Six hours. He had six hours before anybody came questioning or doing anything. Well, he had less than that because he told his boss that he wasn't there first, right? Yeah, he's the one who mentioned that Daniel had driven off. I don't know at what time or anything like that, Mm. but he did call his boss to tell him. But he could do that to cover his tracks, too. Yeah. Like, after he did the deed... Like, maybe he hurt them, hurt him at the site or did something to him at the site. Yeah. Maybe something weird happened and they started, like, chasing each other. I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, because Daniel saw his shoes weren't tied, right? Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Allegedly, according to Ken, Daniel's shoes weren't tied. And then one of his socks was found close to or near the job site. So maybe they got into a scuffle or something and his shoes fucking flew off and so did his sock. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm Did, a now, fucking pure speculation. Were his shoes at the at the site or were they with the Jeep? No. I haven't heard anything about the shoes. Oh. Well. Yeah, I don't okay. know where the shoes are. So maybe he's naked walking in the desert with his shoes on. And one sock. And one sock. Hmm. Weird, right? Maybe he's got some sweet kicks. Very weird. <laughs> yeah. This whole thing is a giant puzzle to me and I'm like, I'm going to fucking solve it. Yeah. And also his family, his poor family. Okay. Now. Like I said, the family acted so quickly and immediately his father knew something wasn't right and he filed a missing persons case that same night. So everybody acted quickly. And right away, Daniel's dad was not impressed with how the police were handling his son's case. When the police found Daniel's Jeep, it took them over 24 hours to even notify David that they had found the Jeep. What? Over? Over. Over. It took a full fucking day and some change. That's... Irresponsible. That's surprising, especially because David, the dad, was so involved with yeah. the searches and everything yeah. like that. You think that the guy in charge of the case would be like, hey, fucking guess what? Yeah. Yeah. We Exciting news. Nope. nope. Yeah. Something. And I don't, a breadcrumb. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I wonder, like, did they just leave the Jeep sitting there for 24 hours or did they immediately impound it? And so, like, his dad didn't even get to be there. Like, I'd be fucking furious. When I looked for the to see if it was a manual or an automatic, I searched for Daniel Robinson Jeep. Mm -hmm. And it looks like there's like two pictures of it, which granted, maybe that's just what's released to the public. Yeah, but. It seems like they didn't take a lot of pictures because I was thinking maybe even just looking at a picture, you'd see on the inside, see if it was manual. Yeah. Or not. But like, no, that's all did you, you take see. a bunch of pictures of it before you flipped it back over. Anything? No, they they were not treating it like a crime scene. That's fucking crazy. Yep. So, like I said, Daniel's dad was not impressed. So he decided to take matters into his own hand and he literally moved hands and he literally moved from South Carolina to Arizona and set up shop in Arizona. And he began to organize and host desert searches for his missing son. He was basically acting as the police in his son's missing persons case. He used his own retirement funds to fund all of these things. And he actually turned up a lot of evidence and stuff in doing so. Or what, I mean, I guess what we would call evidence, but it's not like, I don't know, like a fucking suck. But yeah, yeah. Something relative to the case, but not necessarily detrimental. Yeah. But because of this... Daniel's father's search team have uncovered several sets of human remains in this section of dirt 
or desert, dirt, in this section of desert. Yeah, it is. One set of remains is believed to be another unsolved missing persons case, and they're really close to closing that one. Oh, my gosh. And the police say that, like the other set, I don't really know. I think they haven't really identified or they don't know whose they belong to. Yeah. But police say that so far all of the remains don't seem to be linked or related. But I'm over here like, why are there so many dead bodies right here? Like, that's kind of weird, right? Like, we're just dumping bodies here? It seems like a pretty small vicinity, too. Yeah. But as an interesting side note at CrimeCon, I had the pleasure of speaking with a real-life crime scene investigator. And this dude, I won't say his name because I didn't get permission to, he basically legit covers a giant patch of desert from, like, the Nevada state line to, like, San Bernardino or something like that. And he, I asked him, I was like, is it really suspicious that, like, you're finding a bunch of dead bodies in this patch of the desert? And he was like, no, not at all. Like, there are, the desert is littered with dead bodies. He's like, it's what I do every day. I go out and fucking basically secure a scene that somebody was dumped at. And it's very rare that they are actually related. Isn't that crazy? Jesus. Yeah. Isn't that fucking crazy? Anyway, so next time you're out hiking the desert, just be aware that you're fucking surrounded by a bunch of dead bodies. Fun fact. Fun fact. Look mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. See a scrap of fabric. Maybe a yeah. sock. Yeah, you don't know. That's probably a crime scene. Through the dad's investigation, they also discovered that Daniel had recently been talking to a new lady friend, who I said I was going mm. to mention, by the name of mm-hmm. Caitlin. So I guess as a side job, Daniel would work for Instacart and he would like to bring in some extra cash. And he Mm -hmm. delivered her an order of booze sometime in early June. I want to say it's like June 12th or something, but I didn't write the date down. But like, you know, a couple weeks before he goes missing. So he meets Caitlin because he's delivering booze to her house. Caitlin and a friend answer the door and they're drinking, obviously, and they invite Daniel in and they introduce themselves. They all end up hanging out for a bit and they exchange numbers. Now, in the police report, I had read that one of Daniel's friends said that Daniel had spoke to him later on, but before he had gone missing, saying that he had actually hooked up with Caitlin. I don't know if it was that night or what, but it sounds like they partook in some sexual intercourse or something. Okay. Or something like that, you know? And That's like the start of every good porn. Exactly. Like, did somebody order some booze? Somebody order some Mike's hard? (laughs) I see what you did there. Now, Caitlin reports to the police that Daniel, like they had met each other, right? And that Daniel had started sending her strange messages that didn't really make much sense. And that he kept stopping by her home unexpectedly when she wasn't home. And I guess Caitlin would know that he was stopping by home because she would see it on her camera, her security camera. I'm guessing it was a ring camera or something. Okay. Well, when we interviewed Daniel's father, he mentioned that Caitlin only handed over texts that she wanted to share with the police, not her entire phone. So it is possible that some text messages could have been deleted or altered. Now, he didn't say that, that she could have deleted or altered them. I'm saying that, but he did say... We're reading between the lines. I'm reading between the lines and... He did say that the police did not take Caitlin's phone. And in yeah. the police report itself, you can read that the police officer asked Caitlin to take screenshots and load it to like evidence.com or something weird like that. So she you does know, so. Where yeah. you send all your fucking evidence. Evidence, exactly. So she does so. And so you can read them in this police report. They're all typed out. But what's weird is there's like huge gaps of time between the messages. And so... To me, if I were to guess, 
I I would think that is very probable that messages could have been deleted and in a way to make it sound like it follows some sort of narrative, but also it doesn't make sense, right? Like, oh man, he's not making sense. Look at him talking all this gibberish. But if she had been actually talking to him between and deleting those messages and then only leaving certain ones of his to like yeah. follow some sort of narrative that she's trying to set up, that she's the good guy, whatever, then yeah. this is pretty fucking suspicious. And it, it honestly, pure speculation to me, seems that that is a very probable explanation for these weird text messages. Okay, yeah. So it's really hard to get, like when you're reading articles, depending on what side the article is taking, the text messages will take a different narrative. So I read them all, and here's what I take from it. Again, you're still getting some form of bias from me because I really think that he's missing, and I think that someone has something to do with it. But basically... Mm -hmm. I'm going to paraphrase here, but basically the messages start off with Caitlin sharing a podcast with Daniel. Was it this one? <laughs> nah, I wish. But I guess this podcast was about like positive thinking or something like that. Like how to view the world in a better way or some shit like that. Okay. And so Daniel's like, hey, it was fun hanging out with you. Thanks for the podcast. I loved it. By the way, I think I left my canopy at your house. Can I come grab it? I don't know what kind of canopy this is or whatever that means. Like a fucking... Like yeah. a... A canopy, I guess. It just says like canopy. Like, can I, like a pop-up? Yeah, maybe. But I don't know why it's at her house unless they had hung out more than once. Like, Because if you're just delivering booze, you're not going to pull a pop-up out. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. But he says, I left it there. Can I come grab it? And he's like, I can come get it now or I can come get it later. Like, what works best for you? And then there's like no answer for a very long time. And then she says, hey, I just saw you on the camera. I'm in Flagstaff. And by long time, I mean hours to maybe even a day. I didn't write them all day down. But like a long fucking time where if, if you're in the town or something and you're just going to swing by real quick and they don't answer, you might just swing by anyway. Like, oh, let me just see if she's fucking home. But, yeah. So then she sends a message saying, hey, I'm in Flagstaff right now. I'm not home. I saw you on the camera. I'll leave it out front and you can grab it later. And he's like, cool, thanks, whatever. So now this whole narrative of like he keeps stopping by unannounced is kind of like... seem as... He's just trying to get his fucking canopy back. Yeah. But then the next couple messages, again, there are day gaps in between these messages. He's like, hey, can I swing by and grab it? Like, she's like, oh, I'll leave it outside, whatever, right? Like, I'll leave it outside and you can grab it. And then she's like, hey, it's really uncool that you keep stopping by unannounced or whatever. Like, you just told me to. Yeah. And he's just trying to get his fucking canopy. And then he's like, he said something like, don't worry about it. I grabbed it. And she's like, I'm confused. How'd you grab it? And he's like, I just went and got it or something. So I don't know where this canopy was. You said you left it outside. Yeah, I don't know where this canopy was. I'm kind of confused that it might have been in the garage or something. I don't really know. But again, the messages are not clear. To me, it seems like there is some sort of context or information missing that have been deleted. And then the messages, from what I could tell, essentially go on to it seems that he likes her and she doesn't really like him like that. And she basically says, like, hey, you're creeping me out. Stop showing up. And he's like, I'm sorry. Do you hate me? And she's like, I don't hate you. I just don't see us ever hanging out again. Which is acceptable. Which is acceptable. And I guess Daniel had been talking to his friends and his father saying that he really liked this Caitlyn chick. But also, like, to me, it sounds like they have hung out more than once, which is all you ever get from articles is they hung out once or something. And his friends say that he says that they hooked up. So now I'm over here wondering, 
what if Caitlyn has a boyfriend or something and she was trying to cover for herself and Ooh. all of a sudden he goes missing and she's got to upload these, you know, whatever. And she's kind of looking shady. Yeah, she's looking shady. So she deletes certain information from the text messages and like her boyfriend sees that Daniel's texting her. And so then she's like, oh, it's just a friend. And then when he's like, I love you or whatever, I don't think he, he might have said I love you. He does say I love you. And she's like, that's so creepy. But also I'm thinking like I text random people. I love you. Like if you say something yeah. that makes me laugh or something, I might be like, Jesus, I fucking love you. That's funny. Yeah. So if you yeah. delete messages around it, yeah, it seems pretty fucking creepy that somebody just texts you. I I love you. Yeah. I don't know. So then I'm wondering, is she doing that? She deletes it to cover up for herself. Like if a boyfriend or something sees that and is mad and she's like, no, it's all him. He's coming on to me. I don't know. I'm speculating wildly, but it is a possibility. Yeah. True. Okay. Okay. Like I said, the context of everything, if you read it straight through, it's weird. It's uncomfortable. I could see how it could come off creepy if you read the messages straight through and if they're true and real. It feels like something's not right. But all of Daniel's friends are saying, like, he didn't seem off. He seemed a little down because his friend had come to visit him or something and he had seemed a little down. But then when his friend had gotten there, he was like his normal self or whatever. But I feel like that's normal. Like, you're living in a new city. You don't have many friends. Shit can get lame sometimes. And then they show up and you're like, whoa, everything's great again. Then on Tuesday, June 22nd, which is the day day before he goes missing and this is also discovered in the police report when they like pull back his phone data all the way to the 22nd uh he sent her a message that said quote the world can get better but i have to take all the time i can or we can whatever to name it i'll either see you again or never see you again and that was the last message that he sent to her i have no fucking idea what any of that means but again kind of ominous If you delete any previous text before that, then I could see, like, you remove context and we're like, what does that mean? Well, but also if she said, like, hey, I don't see us being together, blah, blah, blah. And then it's basically him just being like, all right, well, if I see you, I see you. The world can get better, but I have to take all the time I can or we can. Whatever to name it. To name what? I mean, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, That's what I'm saying is like it feels like she's deleting other things. And if they're talking about a podcast that makes you think of the world in a better way or like view life in a certain kind of way, like I wonder if they were having a deeper conversation. Mm-hmm. And then he's also saying like, I really like you. And she's like, hey, I, I can't reciprocate that. And he's just saying like, OK, like whatever our discussions on the world, it can get better. But I have to take all the time I can or we can, whatever, to name it. I don't know. It's just weird. I don't fucking know, man. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. And all of his friends say, like, he wasn't doing drugs or anything like that that they're aware of. He wasn't known to do drugs. The only drug he would do is marijuana, and that shit makes you chill as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might wander into the desert. That's Not true. far. No. Before you're like, can we go back to civilization for Oreos? I would love an Oreo. <laughs> And my water. You would never leave without your water. If you were high. Oh, fair. Yeah. If you were high. thirsty. Yeah. You would take your water anywhere. That's the only time I see you drink. Water. (laughs) All right. So, again, reading these messages linearly, it's weird. Linearly. Linearly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you got it. It, And this message doesn't really make sense, but I'm kind of under the impression that maybe some things are missing. Yeah. that's my personal opinion and not those reflected of Aaron's or anybody else associated with this episode of the podcast. (laughs) 
Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Disclaimer, disclaimer. So the family is asking police to change Daniel's case from a missing person's case to a criminal investigation. And all of the evidence collected has been found by David and all of the volunteers who have helped him, not the police. Jesus. I know. Daniel had future plans and was not suicidal, and it was very out of character for him to just leave. Also, the family's in need of financial funds. As I said, his father basically is draining his entire you know, like retirement account and stuff to find him. So they have a GoFundMe page, which we'll link in the show notes. And they also have a website called pleasehelpfinddaniel.com where you can go and you can volunteer in these future searches or you can donate money or if you have a special specialty that you're good at or something that could help, you know, in a search for a missing persons case, whether that be graphic design or marketing or social media or something like that. And if you're willing to volunteer your time, the family is in desperate need of help and of those skills, and so you can volunteer on their website. They have forms for you to fill out. So, like I said, I'll put that in the show notes again, but you guys, we have the coolest fucking family here, and I know you guys can help, so if you're able to, please, please volunteer. Also, I want to know, and you're going to hear this in the interview, but Daniel's father said that they tried to get the FBI involved because they think that the police are doing such a lame job at this, but they said that there wasn't enough evidence to like suggest foul play or something, so the FBI will not get involved. And I think they're going to try again. But like, what the fuck? What the fuck? If this were a pretty white chick, we'd all be losing our goddamn minds. Yes. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. If this It'd were be Aaron, front page news. This were Aaron. You're a thousand percent right. Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. Daniel is described as a five foot eight black man weighing 165 pounds with black hair, brown eyes, missing a right forearm, including his hand. If you believe you've seen him or if you know anything surrounding his disappearance, please contact your local authorities ASAP. And to tie this all off, I wanted to highlight some points that I think are fucking fishy as hell, which I kind of already have. But let's recap this shit like it's a goddamn PowerPoint. So point number one, the co-worker, Ken. Weird yeah. he noted so much about Daniel and followed him into the desert. That just seems like and a perfect excuse. became a doctor excuse. suddenly. Yeah, like it seems like a perfect excuse for his tire tracks to be all fucking up in the crime scene and all over that place, that desert too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking there too. That Caitlin chick and her text messages, I want to know if they're authentic. Like, I, why aren't the police taking her phone and like double checking the shit and authenticating this bullshit? Because it feels kind of weird. Like if you read something and it doesn't make sense and she's not acting weird about it, she's not being like, wait, you're not making it any sense that's weird instead her messages are just like yeah but i just can't see us ever being together again like that's that to me seems like there's something fishy going on here and we're not getting the whole picture so then like what is her involvement is her involvement like what if she got caught sneaking and geeking and somehow ken knows her or her family or something and she gives the narrative that daniel is bothering her and this ken guy is like don't worry sweetheart i'll take care of it you know like that's something my brother would fucking do like shit yeah, it could happen. And then the police. The police are doing a lame-ass job. Are they trying to protect some, like, one of their own? Are they trying to cover something up? What's going on here? I also read in the report, again, pure fucking speculation. But in the report, you can see, like, the dispatch logs or whatever. And in the report, they also say, like, okay, this unit is on the way. And then they say, scratch that, the next unit's on the way. Like, what if an officer knew something was going to go down, hears that the call came in, and he's like, don't worry, bro, I got this one. And then he's covering up for all of this shit and doing a shitty job. I don't I don't know. Again, that's just pure speculation. But it feels yeah. like they're coming up with some lame ass excuses for everything they're finding. So it sorta of feels like a cover up. 
Mm-hmm. And then the rancher. I mean, really, dude just found a Jeep on his property, but also I don't know anything about him. Like, does he have anything red that maybe his Jeep could have hit? Like, I, what's going on with the rancher? I just want to know. I just want to know. I just want to have a, a quick talk. <laughs> yeah, I just want to talk to him. Isn't that fucking crazy? Yeah. What the hell? And he's still missing. We don't know where he's at. David, his father, is like, I know God is going to bring my son home alive. Like, I have hope that he will be found alive. And he, you're going to hear in the interview, he's talking about how they had plans to go on a hike and all this other stuff, and they haven't had a chance to do it. And I'm just like, I'm going to go on the, I'm going to go on a hike with David. Like, we're going on a hike. This is so sad. Oh, that this breaks is my so heart. Sad. I know. I know. So, guys, please throw everything you have. Become an ardent chair detective. Fucking start digging. Find anything suspicious. Report it to your author- the local authorities. They have contact information on pleasehelpdaniel.com. Like, do everything you can, guys. This is fucking ridiculous. Really. Do you have drones? Yeah. Go fly them over the desert. You have, you know, obviously be careful when you're doing all this shit. If you have any information surrounding his disappearance, obviously speak up. Like, that's fucked up. This whole family is, like, heartbroken. And waiting for answers. Yeah, and whatever reason you might not be sharing the details, it's not worth it. Yeah. Oh. I know. Anyway, so we'll go ahead and insert the audio of the interview now. Again, please be forgiving of the sound quality. But if you would like to, I wonder, should we just publish the actual video of the interview online also like on our website okay so go ahead and listen to it and then i'll go ahead and post just the interview section without much context (laughs) i'll post that on the website too when we publish this episode so that if you guys are interested you can go watch it too i love it Okay, everybody, here we are at CrimeCon Las Vegas 2022, and we're here with David Robinson. Um, You may know of him from the news, the headlines of his son, Daniel Robinson, who has gone missing in Buckeye, Arizona? Buckeye. Okay. So, um, actually, you reached out to us for the opportunity to speak about his case and get it out there so that we can all know a little bit more information about what's going on. Um, So, if you don't mind, we'd love to hear from your perspective. Uh, what happened? Well, you know, of course, uh, on June 23rd, um, I got a phone call from my daughter. Uh, she, I was in Columbia, South Carolina at the time. Uh, my daughter was in Phoenix, uh, Arizona. Okay. Got that phone call. A, um, a co-worker came to her house um, to search for, uh, just inquiring about uh, my son. Yeah. Uh, she thought that was really strange. She decided to call me. Of course, we do our due diligence, um, as usual. Hey, yeah. Daniel, go check and see if he's uh, um, at the house. And why I would uh, make a phone call. Uh, when they begin contact with Daniel. Um, being that far away is a three-hour difference. I kind of knew something was wrong based on uh, six hours that they said. Uh, once I got some information um, that had been over six hours since he's been seen, the last seen at that well site. Yeah. Uh, you know, to go ahead with the well site, Daniel was a geologist. I want to bring you up. You guys know that. He's a geologist. Yeah. Um, you know, he came out to Arizona uh, and landed a job, his first job out there. And he was out there that day, um, uh, matter of fact, working on a well site. You know, saying, uh, uh, was that his first time at that well site? His first time at the well site. Okay. And uh, so, you know, from that point on, like I said, um, I knew something's wrong. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, he was with another worker there. Uh, put in a report or anything like that. Um, uh, took a while to get the report in. It, it didn't start off that way. Um, I had to wait that 12 hours. You know how they say, hey, you got to wait 12 hours. No, how did you know right away 
you know, you hadn't heard from him in six hours, and it sounds like you were already alerted, like, this is not normal. Well, you know, that's, that's he, his pattern. That's that's not Daniel. You know, so we have a tight-knit family, yeah. and um, anywhere Daniel goes, he likes to travel, don't get me wrong. Yeah. He won't go travel in the middle of the day of his work Without from his job. Yeah. And the other yeah. part is, uh, you know, he would tell his family, exactly. uh, I realize it's over six hours, so, of course, yeah. Yeah, to, uh, I knew something was wrong for that point. Uh, like I said, you had to wait that 12 hours. It wasn't quite 12 hours yet. That's hard. I had to wait like three extra that hours. That feels so helpless, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very okay. much so. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> I'm concerned. Can you be concerned as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's just not Daniel. Daniel's not yeah. that, not that the son so that would know. just go take off, uh, especially in the middle of a work day. Right. Uh, but, yeah, that's what I was told uh, from the law enforcement uh, that, that the, the worker that's out there with my son. There's only one person out there with my son. Okay. Uh, said that Daniel pretty much, uh, they had a little 10-minute conversation at the well site. Yeah. And from that point, uh, my son waved off. Never seen again. That was it. Now, how do we feel about the coworker that had just met him? I mean, is that immediately in my mind? Well, you know, that's the first thing you have to do. Yeah, the yeah. last person that's seen somebody, yeah. you ask that question, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. right. And uh, that's the first thing I did. When I decided to go to uh, Arizona, and, and the reason why I went to Arizona immediately, I did talk to the police department. Um, um, they said they was going to send a helicopter out there to search my son. I found out he was out listening out there in the desert. Yeah. Um, then they ended up calling back like an hour later and said, hey, no, we're not. Um, he's, a, he's a grown man. He can disappear if he wants no. to. Oh, yeah. No. So I drove. Oh, no, no, no. No, not my son. Oh, get that helicopter up there. That's right. That's right. No. There's more. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. Oh, yes. Well, you know, the point is, because of that, I had to hop in my car and drove out there. Oh, they're not going to look. I'm going to do it. Hell, yeah. Right, so. How far of a drive was that for you? Oh, man. That was almost like 30 something hours. Oh, dang. And you're just freaking out the whole time. Like, oh, yes. I just want to be there. I want to fix this, right? Yes, it was, it was, yes. It was, yeah. it was a long ride. It took me, I left on uh, on the 23rd. I got, no, 24th. Uh-huh. And I got there on 26th. Oh, wow. Right, so it was, it was a just long ride. Just drove straight through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. And, you know, while I'm driving, of course, I'm doing a whole bunch of work uh, driving. Um, Trying getting, to call people, figure things out. Getting in contact with the Buckeye Police Department. Um, yeah. Um, also talking to coworkers and things like that. But, so were they not even looking for him? Not the not the job. No. Not the job. Only thing they did, like I said, had a worker to come there to uh, inquire about and see if he was at his sister's house. You know. Okay. Uh, but like I said, you know, I got on the ground. You know, the first person I wanted to see. Yeah. Is the guy that told me my son just waved off and, and disappeared. Yeah. Yes. So I had to look yes. him in his eyes. You know, and this guy had to tell me the same story that these this officer telling everybody telling else. Me. How right. How do you so. feel about him? How did you feel about that whole interaction? You know, I didn't have any feeling at all other than. I knew that my son, that don't sound like Daniel, you know, that's what, so that's so, what it makes sense Yeah, so what I read, and forgive me because I'm reading articles and stuff, so right. if it's any misinformation, please let me know, but I had read that that co-worker had said that he was acting strange or not making sense, right. and then he just took off, right. but then from everything I understand from interviews through you, that wouldn't be Daniel at all. That's so out of character. It's not Daniel. Another part is uh, this co-worker, that, not co-worker, he's a, he's a worker at a co-worker. I call him oh, a worker. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. And, uh, but he said, um, he's at the honest. He, he, he got that off a 10-minute conversation. Um, and also, he said, hey, his eyes, and check, I was checking his eyes to see if it dilated or his eyes, his eyes wasn't dilated. Like, How did he know that? He gave him a degree like that to look in people's eyes and all this. He's a doctor. Oh, he's a I doctor. thought you were serious. I was yeah. like, what? And he's a psychologist, too, you know, wow. saying that. Yeah, so. That's kind of 
kind of a weird note. But the guy is actually uh, is a well driller, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that, those things were that was odd and strange to me, yeah. you know. So as a father, so I had to look this guy. Now he had to tell me this. Uh, uh, he told me the same as that story. Uh, then he started changing that story. He started okay. adding all the extra little stuff. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, okay. lot, of, a lot of things added to that, right? Yeah. So. yeah. I said, God damn. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh, no. Okay, there so when go. I was reading the case and the story and everything and trying to figure out, like, what's going on, you read one article and it's pretty straightforward. And honestly, with this whole, we're going to say, Gabby, Gabby Petito case, that's, right. uh, that's actually how I heard about your son's case because all of the hashtags right. and, you know, right. like, hey, why aren't we talking about, why aren't we talking about him? Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Exactly. That's not a Exactly. Right. And so then we're not going to give our resources to that. That's bullshit. Right. And so, and if that's my baby, I don't care. Yeah. You're going to go yeah. fucking put right. a helicopter up there and find him. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what we're working for. But, but reading the articles at first, it was just very, even then, very generic information. A geologist out in Arizona, yeah. and he's just gone. And then you start reading more, and it got weirder. Like, yeah. oh, he was acting strange. Oh, there was a girl he was texting. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's sad. And they, it was just they like that, right. weird shit. And then I'm like, this doesn't feel like it adds up. And in fact, her and I were talking, and we were both like, immediately, this worker at, who drills wells, right. I'm suspicious. He's the only one who saw him. And then his car turned up, right? Almost 30 days later. Like two miles away from where he was last well, it's seen. It's about three miles away, three but miles, it's... Uh, in that uh, vicinity. Yeah, uh, almost 30 days later. That's, okay. that's horrible. Yeah. Now, yeah. forgive me, because I'm just going to go off now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So they found his... Uh, was it a Jeep? Jeep Renegade. Jeep Renegade told you. Um, she has a Jeep. And it's <laughs> a blue-gray right. Jeep. Uh, uh, I know. Uh, but it was down like a 20-foot drop. Yeah, but the picture didn't make sense to me. And I'm no detective or anything. But it almost looked like it was like just like pushed off the side. It didn't make sense that somebody would drive off right there. And the way it landed, it was almost parallel to the cliff, right? It wasn't right. straight off like you right. drove off. It was like this and then rolled over, right. if that makes sense. Right. So then I was like, okay, this co-worker is a little shady. I probably shouldn't be blasting people I don't know I haven't met. Yeah. But the story, yeah, the story is suspicious. Right. And then the way his vehicle was found, again, I'm not a crime scene investigator, but just with eyes, I'm like, that's kind of weird. And then all of the micro data that they got from his Jeep was suspicious. Could you explain explain that? Because I read the article and I think I was a little confused about what they were saying. Well, you know what? Uh, that data, is, we call it a black box data. Uh-huh. Uh, the Buckeye Police Department collected that data. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to put this out there first. Yeah. Um, the day that vehicle was found on July the 19th, the next day they gave the vehicle to me. Police department said, hey, you need to get the vehicle out here. If you don't, you'll have a tow, you're gonna pay the storage fees. Gave the vehicle to me. Now, I had to get black, I had them to pull that black box data. Um, and they also pulled that, but they kept it. They gave it to my investigator, private investigator, because they said, hey, we don't have a case. We're not investigating. What the hell? They Are have you done serious? any forensic works on the scene, have done anything. No, no forensic work at all. They gave me my son's clothes, everything was saying, everything. They said it had a mark for safekeeping on the evidence bag, meaning that. After all of this, they believe he had a brain injury, and he's going to come back for his things. What? You know, oh, yeah. So I still have him to this day. But that's what I'm saying, that, that type of data. So I had to put that out first. You know, but the data itself, like I said, was pulled from the police department. They didn't read that data correctly. My incident reconstruction, they read it for them. Um, there was 11 additional miles um, added on the vehicle after the first initial. He believed it was multiple crashes. After the first initial crash, airbag deployed. There was 11 miles driven on that vehicle. It was cranked over. 
exactly. it was last seen. Exactly. But something happened to deploy the airbags. Right. And then the vehicle traveled for 11 miles and ended up two miles from where, three miles from where it was from last, where last seen. seen. But so you know, it was got, around that desert. You also got to remember that uh, uh, the rancher who found the vehicle, he's looking for his cattle. He's, he lived out there. That's his land. Um, he was in that area uh, two to three days prior to the vehicle being there. It wasn't there. He said that was his testimony, but they didn't put that in the report. Why? That's his testimony. Who uh, the guy who found the so vehicle they out there. Dumped it. They dumped it. Somebody, he believes so. Yeah. Somebody believes so. Okay. Uh, and then they left that truck. Right. So that that is out. That is not in the report, but uh, that's a fact. Yeah. That's, uh, it wasn't there two to three days prior. Okay. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, okay. The other part is. Uh, um, from the rancher, uh, like I say, his, he the one found the vehicle, but um, um, that was on the 19th when he found that vehicle, July. Uh, the Buckeye Police Department did uh, two searches. They said they did that first initial search with that almost three days after my son went missing, and then they did one uh, almost about two or so weeks after uh, with a Civil Air Patrol. Real extensive search, the cadaver dolls and all kind of stuff. Yeah. They haven't found uh, that vehicle, they haven't found anything. So that says it wasn't out there. Yeah. The other part is, in my searches, I already had searches looking for my son out there. Yeah. We found a human skull, we found human remains. That's another thing. And they haven't found it. And they're the police department. And, it's, and the skull was found near where the vehicle was found. So they're not looking. They're not really they're looking. They're not trying. They're not, not trying. looking right. hard enough. No, they're half-assing right. that shit. Yeah. That's bullshit. Right. So you can think about all of that. And now you... There you go. Yeah. And now you have helped coordinate searches for your son. And you guys, yeah. I read, have covered 15 miles from where he's been missing in the desert. Well, actually, we did um, uh, 30,000 acres of Whoa! land. Yes. We did a whole lot. She's one, of, she's one of the persons that's out there. So, um, 30,000 acres. Now, what... So, when you... Okay. When you uncover these remains... What is going through your mind? Like, that's got to be a heart-dropping, terrifying it is. moment. It is. It's very hard. Very hard. You know, because I don't know what my son is. Uh, I know. So we find bones and things like that. Uh, yeah, it's scary. Imagine we find animal bones out there, too. Of course. Yeah, it's yeah, a desert. of course. Animals eating animals. Wow. But uh, we do find human remains out there. And then you turn these remains over to the police department. That's Are they right. solving anything? Are they figuring anything out? You're, you like, know, the, you're like the Rambo detective out there. I know, right? I haven't seen crime scene um, tape out there on a once. And that's because I demanded it. Um, you know, that department kept calling out uh, uh, things we found, animal remains. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they ended up calling this one. It's very fresh bone. It scared me. It really scared me. I was scrubbing that ground really hard, thinking it possibly be my son. And because uh, the bones still, excuse my graphicness, oh, but the bones were still pink and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so they're scary. Um, Why I are there so many bodies out there? What's I think it's a crime scene, you ask me. Uh, I think they dump people and all kinds of stuff out For there. For sure, and, and the desert, police are so. like, these aren't connected? They're not suspicious. It should be. It should be. That would be FBI investigating yeah. as well. Right. right? My son went missing in that area, so, you know, so that should be, should be one of those things. Right. Are, are the FBI going to get involved, or are they involved at all? Well, I put in, um, um, I did put in a request with the Buckeye Police Department uh, chief. I, I CC the city manager to the mayor, you know, you name it. Yeah. Uh, make sure that he can't say he didn't receive it. Yeah. But in that letter, I wrote just what we talked about. Yeah. Um, exactly I found human the remains out there. Yeah. My son went missing here. It's a crime scene area. Um, they need to have the FBI. He said he agreed with me. Hey, we're going to get the FBI. I'm going to have them do a case review. Um, they told me they going to do one. Uh, but when that case review came up, they didn't call my attorney. Hey, we want to be a part of that. They did it behind my back. 
And they told me, they called me and said, Mr. Robinson, the FBI said, you're doing such a great job on your own, you don't need to come in. Stop it. That's exactly what they told me. Stop it. Exactly. Can you get it re-reviewed? I'm not making all this up. I know you're not. I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah. Can you get it re-reviewed? I'm sorry? Can you get that re-reviewed by the FBI? And I went up to the FBI, so right now I'm in the process of trying to get some of those information there. The, uh, uh, let's call it FOIA. Uh, trying to get freedom of information stuff. Okay. So Is there a big too much? Yeah. Yeah. So they're yep. going to penalize you for yeah. too much. Right. Is there anything that we can do or our listeners can do to help like, maybe pressure that? Yeah. Well, we started a foundation. Can I do this? So we do have a Daniel Robinson Foundation at this point. We just filed Wednesday of last week. So we're definitely here to try to help other families so that they don't have to go through the same thing that Mr. Robinson has gone through. Um, well, I mean, we have a GoFundMe because he's doing all of this on his own. You know, yeah. he's using his own funds. We can have people donate and help out okay. with that. We also have a form on the pleasehelpfinddaniel.com where people can um, fill that out and, and, and volunteer in other ways. Perfect. You know, because our searches are on pause, let me repeat, on pause right now. Um, there's other ways that we can we need help with the foundation. You know, anybody that has any type of skill set, yeah. we're helping. You know, get that off the ground and running, up and going. That's right. Did I miss anything? You got it. I got Beautiful. it. Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. So oh, now, and don't forget, don't forget to sign that petition. If you didn't right. see that, yes. you have to sign that petition okay. because you know we have a lot of people who are interested in my son's case. That's Absolutely. It. That's your voice. Let's blow it up. Oh, yeah. um, That's right. So let's. Will you help exchange those links with me, and I'll make sure to publish right. those with these notes. Of the show. Um, so why is why are the searches on pause right now? Funding, funding is one of the bigger major parts. How uh, much does know, it cost to put on a search? You can imagine. Uh, it's for, for the razors and equipment I really need. Yeah. I mean, a good, good six grand um, a week. Just, wow. just, just for the razors. Um, we do have calls that comes with um, the, the flyers, the you know you name it, the uh, billboards, the you know banners. Um, the cost of gas and travel just to go check out leads. I mean, all yeah. that in combination, uh, things like that. So all that goes together. Got just it. this past week, he, he bought, we brought 12,000 flyers here. Right. Just so, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, so we're going to get them out, too. Yes. <laughs> good, good. Well, you got a graphic designer here. Let me just solicit her. That's her, right. Uh, <laughs> oh, services. matter of fact, yeah. yeah. She can print banners. She can print whatever you want. But we have the PDF right there on Please Have Fine Daniel. Yeah. Um, uh, also, for, for people Perfect. who uh, so we, out. I send out flyers all the time to people on different Okay. Space, but they say, hey, we can make them ourselves. The PDF yeah. is there also on the yeah. website. Yes, awesome. Yeah. yeah, and we're from San Diego, so I honestly really want to be a part of any kind of search or help that, that we That's can. Right. So I'll be looking forward to that when that opens up. Um, so, okay, so I want to go back to, if you don't mind going back into the yeah. story, I want to hear a little bit more about that data on the car. You said, so he was dri- driving around, allegedly, for 11 miles after the airbags deployed, but you said that, that they suspect there was more than one crash? Yes, well, I'm putting damage on the vehicle. Um, that's sitting down there being, um, he's an incident reconstruction. Um, the damage didn't match the terrain. Um, okay. There's multiple crashes um, on that vehicle, at least, at least two, at least two crashes. And um, um, there's red transfer paint on the red. bottom of the car, so uh, on the passenger side, so nothing red in the desert. So it so he had a What about that coworker? What he driving? Well, he have a white truck. I okay. see. <laughs> <laughs> unless he unless he changed trucks. When I when I got to Arizona, um, he had a white truck. So I don't know. Okay. I don't know what he have um, at home. But yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You don't so. around his house. <laughs> 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 if you're being respectful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you can only be respectful for so long. Right. <laughs> right. 
This is so scary. I mean, it's hard because anybody you come in contact with, you want them to stay comfortable enough to help aid in any kind of information. That's right. But also, it's hard not to be suspicious of everybody. Well, you know, um, I had to put a multiple hats on. I'm, I'm a father. Yeah. And also, I had to put an investigative hat on. But yeah, I'm, I'm on a civilian. I'm not. I don't have law enforcement backing, so I can't yeah. put somebody in and interrogate them. You know, yeah. I wish I could. Yeah. But this is a army veteran too. Yes, I, I am. Can tell. That's right. I'd be scared That's right. of shit. You can't have me asking about your son. That's right. yeah. 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 I'd be like, I'm sorry, sir. I don't know. Yeah, I wish I could. You know, but we don't have. I don't have those wrestling powers and things like that. Yeah, so I'm kind yeah, of relying on the, uh, the. Absolutely. Which I'm not getting. I'm not getting help from law enforcement. So. Yeah, we want to. Yeah, help raise that awareness because that's bullshit. That right. is bullshit. Have you spoken to the girl who was texting with your son? I haven't spoken to her directly. No, no. But I do know the case. Of course, my son. Like I told you. Me and my son, we are very close. Yeah. We're very uh, oriented, close, uh, family oriented. And uh, yeah. uh, he and I have our two hour conversation. So she, he did bring her up oh, in the conversation, did. but he never was in love with her. Yeah. Never, um, never mentioned anything like that. So things that y'all read out there, um, Buckeye Police Department even said that I said as a father, which I'm, I'm fighting against right now. They lied on me. I never said my son was in love with a woman he didn't yeah, know. He didn't ever say that to me, so you yeah, know, why yeah. would I say that? You know, so, he had an interest or a friendship at least, right? My son had they met girls in college, you know what I'm saying? Come on, he's one of them boys. He's, he's one of them guys, uh, my daughters, they all went to college together. Uh, uh-huh. they, Daniel always, he had all his parties, and I used to be uh-huh. so worried about him not making his grades, you know. Uh-huh. But they was like, oh, they the book girls, you know, they all, you know. And he was, uh, was having fun with his friends. So he's, 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 uh, he's one of those guys that have a lot of friends. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be yeah, suspicious right. for him to talk to a gal or talk right. about a gal. Right. That's, That's pretty right. boring. He's a yeah. young man. Yeah, he's yeah. a young man. So of course Absolutely. he wants to talk about a lady. Right. Well, and then when I read, forgive me, but they made it sound like, oh my gosh, he was like imposing himself on her from what I read no, in the article. No, uh, no. And you know, one thing was uh, taken out of context. You got to remind, remember those two also, uh, the, the police department allowed this girl to take her own test messages and upload them up to their, they, um, their, to their, their, so uh, whichever thing. ones she wanted. So, oh, so we're reading. So it was never like they, yeah, they went, yeah. got, got her phone themselves and had a warrant, got oh. her phone and went through it and put it in them. No, she did it herself. Oh. The other part is, um, the, the police department gave me the phone. I told they gave me everything, uh, my son's phone. Yeah. His wife, everything, the conversation between her and him is miss his memory card, right, his phone. It's miss his whole geo, you know, um, Google track, uh, yeah. track and stuff. Yeah. It's all that was wiped off the phone, but they say no suspicious activity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just trust us, everything's fine. Right. And so that's what I have to deal with. But they like got that. it with the data wiped? Or they wiped they, they, the data? I don't know who, who did it, but it's wiped. Yes, the phone was wiped. And uh, so but I have the phone, but I'm, I'm getting it forensically done. I had to pay for the stuff. Yeah, um, get it forensically crazy. done to get those data back, get things back to that phone. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. You are such a good dad. Well, I think any dad who loves, any good dad would do the same thing. I put yeah. 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 This is breaking my heart. Um, can you tell us a little bit about about your son? Oh, man. I'm Dan, sorry, I'm like, you can uh, up. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, of course, you know, Dan was born without one hand, right, his right hand. Uh, yeah. But that never stopped him. You know, he's, he's the youngest of his siblings at yeah. the time. And, uh-huh. um, uh, he challenges siblings on everything, like from video games to you name it. You know, so he got to be the best. That's what he all did. Oh, all all three of them, um, his siblings, they all uh, get together and they, uh, especially academically, they say who's the smartest. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So that's one thing. But Dan taught himself how to play the French horn. 
You really? can like, play the trumpet. Really? You can play, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. He's very talented. So he loves music, Play too, a little huh? bit of sports. Um, yeah. You know, even try to lift weights, you know. Um, and uh, the thing is, like I said, but his, 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 his intelligent level, he's a very smart guy. Yeah. Decided to be a geologist in, uh, junior, uh, in, uh, in the freshman year of college. Went, uh, went through college and uh, graduated with honors. Right? Oh, wow. Um, wow. Daniel also... He figured he it out. And okay. the thing was, he uh, we part of his friends, and he's a founder of a fraternity down right. there in College Charlotte. So, yeah, of course, that's what he's going to be doing. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, he, and he cost me a lot of money, though. <laughs> 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 so, you know, we think, um, I'm going to say this real quick, you think when uh, your children, well, you'll know when you get older, older. I'm sure y'all are very young, but, um, you know, you think uh, it's going to be over with when your children go to it college. Gets it's harder and harder and harder. Oh, it gets yeah. more expensive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that's yeah. how it is. But, you know, um, Daniel's very, like I said, friendly person. He has tons of friends. Um, like I said, he's, he's an adventurous guy. He want to travel. Uh, you know, he loves, that's why he wanted to come to Arizona. He's, first of all, he's a geologist. That's a yeah. First, yeah. first place for a geologist, right? Yeah, and, uh, really? And, uh, but, you know, he's, he loves nature. Yeah. Um, we like to uh, go out there hiking all the time, trying to get me to do it, but you're like, no, nope, that's hard. And, I don't want to. <laughs> right. like, no, thank you. Yeah, I did it. I did it. My, my days in Afghanistan, I'm doing all that. Oh, before. you're like, I don't need right. that. I don't need that. <laughs> well, uh, but uh, when we got our challenges, I'll have my uh, time. I want to challenge him. He want to challenge us on the hiking trail, but I got him. Yeah, you but did. He yeah, you can, did. He said you can do it. We haven't got a chance to do it, but that's that's one of the things we're planning. And uh, oh. but the thing is that he's a very uh, family-oriented young yeah. man. Like yeah, I said, you didn't I, just take off because you wanted to take off. Oh, I'll tell you um, uh, one little story. Daniel, he's uh, the type of guy who, uh, you know, during the COVID, uh, people stay home. We're protecting the, um, the, uh, our older relatives and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Daniel would travel to South Carolina just to see his grandparents. And, but he'll stay outside in the yeah, yard and talk to him through the, you know, the glass because oh, you don't want to pass on, you know, so something to you. Yeah, yeah but that's, that's how you tell you how his mind, mindset what is. is. What kind yeah. of person he is, right? Yeah. He really loves his family. Yeah. And that's why I say I, I, I doubt it heavily that Daniel's yeah. out there somewhere and yeah. won't get in contact with his family. Sounds like you should be proud right. of him. Right. Yeah. Sounds like it's accomplished very, a lot. Very proud. Yeah. Uh, he's a scientist. I yeah. mean, you know. Oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, he did real well for himself. Got the first vehicle, the vehicle you know. Yeah. That's yeah. the first vehicle he's really nice proud of. Nice-ass vehicle. Yeah. 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 The first one wasn't so nice. Yeah, yeah no, the first one wasn't, yeah. He had his uh, car, he had to fix it. But, you know, he had to fix it every day almost just to get to work. But he was very responsible to make sure he made it. That made him appreciate it. Right. He's right. proud of this one. Oh, yeah, because that's the first car he bought himself. Right. right. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to keep jumping around because I keep remembering things. But, okay, so when they found his vehicle, they found his clothes, his phone, and his wallet? Everything on his body, from the underwear, socks, on the ground, in the pile. Why the hell would his clothes, why would his clothes be off? Well, you know, this is a theory of the, uh, the police department. They say, hey, he wrecked his car in that ravine. Um, they say, good luck, good thing is, Mr. Robinson, he didn't get, sustain any injuries because um, we didn't see no blood in the vehicle. But oh. he had his seatbelt on because we tell the way it was locked. But they believe he, we believe he kicked his way out of uh, the uh, sunroof, and that's what the glass is on the ground for. He kicked his way, which that, that vehicle don't have a sunroof glass. I was just <laughs> oh, he kicked his way out of there, and, and he got out there because he, he had a severe head injury, uh, brain injury. And they say they'll explain Mr. Rousing. How's he had a severe brain injury? And there's no blood. No, I guess you can rattle some things around, but they say, hey, look, that's uh, not severe, they make you shred your clothes off. That's what they say. That's what the clothes were. They say, hey, Rangers make you want to shred your clothes off. You think you're hot, and you shred your clothes off. But, but it's in a pile. If you shred your clothes, you're going to be just laying all over the place. Yeah, you're not going to be neatly It's in a pile. Yeah. And they believe that he just 
walked off naked and what kind of hid under a tree somewhere and probably okay. died or something. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Going to yeah. monastery. Oh, sure. Jo oh, they did throw that in. He joined the monastery to become a monk. Yeah. yeah. No, I wasn't playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they tell me that also. They say, hey, maybe he just want to be away from his family and yeah. join the monastery and become a monk. I'm getting... Oh, yeah, yeah I'm pissed. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Oh, I'll let, yeah. 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 Sure. That'll be it. But I can't tell you. We ran out of time? Okay. But one thing I want to tell you is um, with that, um, I had a brain injury from Afghanistan. That's why I'm retired military. Uh -huh. uh, I never shred my clothes off. Yeah, you're, you're still wearing So that, that really bothered me. When they were telling me that, I couldn't get that in my head. I think so. any sane person can hear this story and, load right. and know that it's a load of bullshit right. that you're being fed. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's not okay. Right. No. That's messed up. I'm really sorry to hear about this mm -hmm. and about your son. We really want to do everything we can to help. This We'd love to stay life. in touch. I mean, we're a small podcast, but hopefully our audience is going to grow more and more. Yes, and it we'll will. Small but mighty. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> That's right. Small but mighty. That's right. And we want to do everything we can. Please keep in touch. We'll keep in touch with you. Anything you guys need, you give us a shout. We will yes. do everything in our power. Our listeners are the most amazing people in the world. Yes. And honestly, I mean, we have we a lot have, of keyboard warriors. So. We have a lot of keyboard warriors, and we have a lot of talent that they're willing to donate and help with. So, so please, please, let's stay in touch. Please email the links and uh, yeah. all of that. We'd love to get that out there. Thank you, so, right. much thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. You guys are thank good you. people. Oh, no, you are too. Thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity. Thank you. Can I have a hug? Yes, you can. I literally almost started crying there. I can't even. Yes. Thank you so thank much. You. God bless you. God bless you too. Right. Thank you too. Thank you. God Yes, thank you. So to close this bitch off, if you guys are interested in seeing pictures pertaining to this case, please go to isgdpodcast.com. You can also join our Patreon there. There's a link to Patreon. For as little as a dollar, you get one extra episode every month. For as little as 7 and $10, you can get some other extra shit like behind-the-scenes content, basically video footage of Aaron and I trying to figure out how to fucking COVID record. <laughs> Stacy sweating to death in a shed. You know, all that cool shit. All the important it's shit. It's a struggle. Plus, you're supporting your favorite podcast. Yay! And then please email us at isgdpodcast at gmail.com and snail mail Aaron some handwritten motherfucking letters, which we got one from Melissa from New Mexico today. Yeah, we did. Hell yeah. What's up, Melissa? At... P.O. Box 2764, Spring Valley, California, 91979. Also, big shout out to fucking everybody at CrimeCon. I can't name you all off. Yes. And I don't want to leave anybody out. So if you know who you are, you know who you are. <laughs> you know who you are. You know who you are. We fucking love you. Yeah, you guys are fucking amazing. Thank you for coming by for people who did. Yes. And for all of our possible new listeners that we might Welcome! Welcome. Sorry, this is a COVID episode. Go back to some of the earlier <laughs> ones where shit's really figured out real well. Yeah, like 10 episodes ago, we totally had the shit in the bag. Unlock, unlock, unlock. It's worth it. <laughs> okay, bye! Bye! And if you're all caught up on our podcast, stay tuned for a promo from Crimes from the East. 